0: hello everyone and welcome to the podcast healer heal yourself reduce burnout discover your creativity while you heal others i'm your host dr isla bates i'm a psychiatrist and an artist and i bring to you the intersection of art creativity and medicine with this podcast. On today's episode, which starts a new season, we have Dr. Anu French, who's a pediatrician. She's also an artist, a musician. She's a writer. She's written a children's book. And she has also had a long journey where she has healed herself from burnout uh, when she discovered her creative side. She's also a health advocate. And I would like you to join us in listening to Dr. Anu French. So welcome to the podcast and thanks for joining us. Here goes. Okay. Well, h- hello, Dr. French, and welcome to the podcast, Healer, Heal Yourself. Um, if you... Wouldn't mind just introducing yourself and telling the audience a little bit about who you are and how you are connected to art. Thank you, Dr. Bates, for having me today. Um, It's really a pleasure
1: to be here. Uh, I'm a pediatrician in St. Louis, Missouri. I practice both um, pediatrics and integrative medicine, which is really what I um, have sort of branched into in the last 10 years you know, which is, you know, the evidence-based holistic medicine that you bring into into allopathic practice. And I, you know, I faced burnout uh, about 10 years ago around the time that I was trying to find some sense of, you know, what what is my purpose? You know, 15 years into practice and I was really, um, I kind of, I would say the word I always talk about is bored. (laughs) For lack of a better word, I was bored going to work. I was Feeling a little frustrated in my personal life too, with my health, my children's health. And that's when I discovered integrative medicine, but I also discovered art and music, things from my childhood, and brought them back into my life. And so it's interesting because I look at my life today and it really truly feels integrated because I I really do um, practice the integrative medicine that I preach at work, I really bring that into my home and into my personal life. So that's sort of where I am today. I've been practice about 25 years, and about 10, 10 of those have been in integrative medicine and really with a focus on art and music.
0: So let's talk a little bit about integrative medicine, because not everybody in the audience will know um, what that means. So tell us what integrative medicine means to you, or in general, the definition?
1: Sure. I think integrative medicine to me is good medicine. You know, it's just, it's good medicine. It's where we're taking into account the whole person, the whole child and the whole family unit in pediatrics. Um, so we're, we're not just looking at the ear infection or the diaper rash, you know, we're looking at the whole child and and we're also looking at the family dynamic of the parent-child unit, or the caregiver child unit, but also looking at the triad of the practitioner, the clinician, the parent and the child. Um, So there's all of these variables that come into the healing process. To me, it's also looking further, I think that's sort of the, you know, healthier communities through healthier kids is sort of always been my mantra. And so I feel when we start talking about um, a healthier child, then we are causing a ripple effect. And then we have a healthier family and then we have a healthier community. Um, So to me, integrative medicine is a a way to um, practice holistically, looking at things that cause least harm, focusing on preventive medicine in the office from the time of the prenatal visit um, all all the way up to the time we, we graduate the child out of our practice. And also Really looking at the evidence behind the holistic and complementary and what were pre- previously called alternative remedies, and how can we bring those into practice and into plans on a day-to-day basis, um, addressing things like mindfulness and sleep and nutrition and exercise and toxins in the environment and you know things like that, and just making them part of everyday practice and everyday plans. So that, that's really the essence of integrative medicine to me.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and so I want to know a little bit about where you grew up and um, your childhood, your background. What were you like as a child?
1: Well, I was born in India, but within a year of my birth, my father and um, uh, my parents um, moved to the United Kingdom. My dad is a plastic surgeon, and so he... He moved there for his higher education, and so I spent a, a good part of my uh, childhood in the UK. Um, and it, I have mixed memories of that. I think because you know I actually did face a lot of racism and um, exclusion because of how I looked and how I sounded, and and, and so it's fascinating because I think that has fo- formed a lot of my basic. Um, you know, when I work now, I do a lot of a uh, lot of work in advocacy around um, you know social determinants of health and where you know racism really affects that tremendously. Um, trauma. Now, how
0: long were you in the UK?
1: So I was there for the first eight years of my life, and then okay. I came back to India for a short period of time, and then my dad went back again to the UK to do more training in burns and microvascular surgery. So I was there for a significant portion of my teenage years. And um, I have formed a lot of, you know, great friendships that I are still sustaining. So it wasn't all bad, but I do feel like that, um, that was very, and um, a very important turning point for me when I realized how you are treated differently for the color of your skin or maybe the way yeah. you see How
0: and did that impact you, do you think? Um... I, I think that,
1: it, you know, I was shocked as a child and because I'd grown up, you know, Really, not really understanding some of the reasons for why I was excluded or made fun of, or um, they call it ragging in, in in England. I think it's here. It's like hazing, maybe would be a word. Yeah. So, you know, just that, just being able to speak up. It taught me how to speak up for myself. Um, it also taught me. Um, you know how important my sense of identity is like i have a, a strong sense of my indian heritage and culture and holding on to that and teaching that to my indian american daughters and also i think it's given me huge insight into their experience here as indian american girls and um you know bridging two cultures bridging two um continents for lack of a better word um yeah. always being judged first by you know how you look before Anything else? Those kinds of experiences um, have taught me to sort of have a, a good sense of who I am today, right. and and what I what is important to me, what I value, and and my practice today is extremely diverse, socioeconomically and economically, and um, culturally and racially, and I feel that that comfort. Um, um, that I have in the practice and also the comfort that families have coming to me is because of this this experience I've had as a child and also as an adult um, facing these kind of challenges. So, but that, yeah. And then I came back to India for my medical training and then I came here to the US for most of my higher education,
0: so. Yeah, and did you encounter any racism in the United States when you came here?
1: Yes, I would say yes, Uh, it was uh, a little different from when I was a child where it was sort of, you know, name calling, (laughs) things like put gum in my hair and, you know, throwing books at me and just sort of, you know, childish pranks. I think as an adult, um, the racism is a lot more subtle, you know, Mm -hmm. and um, when I first came here as as a a fresh immigrant as I call it, straight off the boat, Mm I didn't want to rock the boat, literally. Like, you know, I adjusted and I didn't really, I didn't really speak up. I didn't have a voice, I always say. And I always, I'm so appreciative of all these strong women who stepped in and (laughs) spoke up for me at the time Um, because there was definitely a a sense of, I think a a sort of a judgment about you automatically. uh, Things like assuming that you don't really know how to speak English or um assuming that um, you know every indian on the block <laughs> or every indian in st louis you know things like that you know or certain assumptions that are made that are you know they are microaggressions um in Micro a way or macro oh macro <laughs> right exactly I mean, how you want to look at it um right exactly so um yeah. yeah definitely i mean at every stage i think there's always been that I think that uh, that still exists. And, you know, taking my children to uh, to political events and teaching them, you know, to understand uh, these concepts and how they affect everybody's lives differently, I think, is a huge part of how I parent
0: them, right? Yeah. Um, I'm also an immigrant. So, um, but I came here at a much younger age uh, to the United States, and there are times when I feel more, more so lately, that saying I'm an immigrant is almost like a bad word now. <laughs> you know, I used to be extremely proud of being an immigrant, um, coming to this country, and um, you know becoming somewhat successful, you know, just from my immigrant background. But now, sometimes I say, well, I'm an immigrant, and people kind of look at me suspiciously. (laughs) You know, there's like this negative uh, attachment to being an immigrant. Have you found that to be true? Yeah, I think that,
1: um, you know, there's this concept of the model minority with Asians. Yes. Um, So sometimes we You know, I there I I always tell my children, you know, I've learned to live my life where I'm expecting to explain myself and never being given the benefit of the doubt. Like in any situation, because of the color of my skin, you have to prove yourself. I have to prove myself, yeah, all the time and probably work twice as hard um, for everything. And that's sort of an immigrant I think it's an immigrant blessing and a curse. I call it, you know, it's just <laughs> ingrained in my epigenetics to be that way. And it's hard to not be that way, you know, to just, to just stride yeah. into a situation and expect everything to just be you know, smooth and perfect, you know, because, but um, I, yeah, you're right. I think the anti-immigrant sentiment in the last few years has definitely gotten stronger um, mm. and, you know, it's funny because we I, I was just part of a concert series called The Immigrant Song, where yeah. we had a, a diverse group of um, immigrants and uh, all of us, U.S. citizens, but immigrants yeah. um, come up and sing and tell our stories. And it was so powerful, I think, for the audience to hear that. Um, yeah. yeah. And so I think if we can go out there and, and use our voices to explain, yes, to people, yes that there's a huge... I think the United States is where it is because, you know, as they say in Hamilton, <laughs> the immigrant right. gets it.
0: Get we get yeah. the job done. <laughs> Alexander Hamilton was yeah. born in uh, Nevis, which is mm. uh, the sister island of where I was born, wow. um, and uh, you know this country, of course, is full of immigrants. Right. Um, I'm in a book, an anthology of immigrants called Alien Nation which is a really fascinating read as well. So um, it was the first time I was able to voice, to use my voice and tell my story. We had done it publicly at the Public Theater in New York. And then during 2020, um, the editor decided to, you know, put some of these stories together. So. uh,
1: Yeah, I think telling one story. It's so
0: important. So So
1: healing. yeah, fabulous.
0: Yeah, so I love that story of the immigrant uh, song as well. That sounds beautiful. So, um, so you were a kid, it sounds like, who was teased a lot, and um, you know went through some pretty rough times. But you're also very resilient. And where do you think that resiliency comes from?
1: So I think there are a lot of factors. Um you know, every life experience I've had, you know, has sort of pushed me to this dark place that I I had to rise from, you know, Mm -hmm. and when I got, I got divorced in 2010, and that was a huge moment for me after 20 years of marriage.
0: Uh Um,
1: And I, you know, my children were young at the time, and they joined this uh, group at school called Kids in the Middle, which Mm -hmm. is a support group for children of divorce through the public school systems. And they would come home with all of this information on ACEs adverse childhood events and it's crazy as a pediatrician I had never heard of it right. and, and I was seeing that my children with a a score of one being kids of divorce had double the risk of stroke as adults if they weren't you know taught to be resilient so resiliency became a hugely important topic in my life and I started looking into ways to build resiliency and that's where art you know I started to go back to painting and painting, I was just painting and painting and painting with my children. We did a lot of art projects together to talk about feelings. And I still have some of those on my fridge, you know. It's very nice. sweet, you know, to see some of the things they painted when they were four and seven. Yeah. Um, talking about big feelings through ice cream and things like that. Right. But, um, but talking about affirmations became important. I mean, my self sense of self-worth was, was hit, you know, with some of these things. And also at the same time of the divorce was when I was just like, Oh my gosh i just don't really like this bread and butter pediatrics i am tired of the revolving door i'm tired of just writing medications there's got to be a different way of doing things and so i also you know a lot of music in my life as a child um and was teaching my children mantra you know vedic mantra which is so important in our hindu culture as a way of mindfulness and also a way of connecting to our spirit And they wanted to know the meanings, you know, of these Sanskrit words. And that's where the music came from. So the art and the music were a huge part of my own healing, painting a lot of I am affirmations. I am strong, I am worthy, I am beautiful, you know, so on and so forth. And the children also doing it with me. So I think the resiliency that I still work on on a day-to-day basis is all wound into the creative pursuits. Like being creative on a daily basis is really important to me um, in some form or shape.
0: Yeah. Now, did did that creativity spark when you had your kids? And because kids are naturally creative and, and they want to paint and draw much more freely than we do. And adults tend to shut down at a certain point in their childhood. Yeah. So did the kids reawaken that for you? Uh,
1: I think before I had children, a lot of my creativity was through poetry mm. and um, uh, it was uh, I did a lot of like collages you know cutting and pasting yeah. and things like that but after they came in I, I think they gave me permission to be sort of that messy inner child like uh-huh. not to have to be perfect you know I think no. there was a lot of perfectionism ingrained in me from a young age um you know to be the best to achieve the That's- most you know uh, my sense of worth and identity was all tied into what was I doing right as opposed to who I was being and my children really changed that for me. They went to Montessori schools and I just love, love that concept because it was blew my mind to think that the child could lead, right? Like I just never had that concept ever in my life where I was allowed to have that autonomy, even as a young adult, even right. as a teenager growing up, you know, with I- Indian parents. And so um, my kids yeah doing messy art projects with them getting it in our hair getting it in you know all over the place giving ourselves permission I think gave myself permission to be yeah. sort of imperfect and be sort of you know creative in a way that didn't have to you didn't have to make anything specific at the end you just enjoyed the process of of, of creating so yes yeah. for sure yes
0: for sure. yeah 100% and um have you taken any art courses or um, done anything more formal? Or is this really
1: yeah it's intuitive. Yeah, it's very intuitive. And it's funny because I've given a lot of art therapy workshops <laughs> in the community. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I, I do a lot of these workshops around I am affirmations. Oh, I but see. I have a children's book too that came out of the the, you know, doing the affirmations with the children, with my daughters, and so I do like book readings with I am affirmation workshop for children. you know so um, the, the, the the point of the art is really about the mindfulness piece of it. you know, what affirmation are we focusing on? How are we going to bring that affirmation into our daily lives um, through the through the medium of art? And if we end up with a pretty picture at the end, that's great, but that's not the that's not the focus of it. So right. it just takes away all the pressure of being a good artist or making a good picture just fall away. And we're really focusing on, you know, being able to be in a chaotic moment and just reaching for that affirmation in that chaotic moment, um, right. remembering how you got there through the art, the medium of art, yeah.
0: Yeah, I think the placing judgment um, on on our work is it, it tends to inhibit us in a lot of ways. Um, you know, a lot of people will stop themselves before they even try and the, they'll just say, Oh, I'm just not good at that, or I hate art, or, you know, I can't draw, I can't draw a straight line which exactly. actually you don't want to draw a straight line if you're an artist. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The beauty isn't the imperfection, right? Exactly. So, um, how do you see art? What is it for you and how, you know, what yeah, is it? I mean, I, I always say art saved my life.
1: Honestly.
0: Tell see, me about your burnout. Yeah. Cause you... yeah,
1: I just, gosh, I was, you know, I had, um, I always talk about these labels that were put on me by other physicians, you know, and you know, you start to believe almost that you are the diseases. You know, I had fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue syndrome, and I had a lot of issues around my reproductive health, you know, just a lot of issues with that. And then I had, you know, allergies, you know, eye allergies, eczema. Asthma, that kind of the ecopic disease. You were resident at the time, or but this was like, probably yeah. This was like when during my residency and fellowship training, um, and then as a young pediatrician, and then going through years and years of infertility, and finally the children did. They just came when I had sort of surrendered, <laughs> but I'd gone through so much IVF that failed, and and you know it's very hard being an Indian. And not being able to have a child. I mean, this, that is something that people just have effortlessly in, in India, where the most populous country in the world, having a, getting married and having a baby is just sort of a a, a fluid process. So when that doesn't happen, you, know, you people view you as defective or something's wrong with you, right? And so that was happening. And then I was also just really um, sick. And then I had, I did have my children, but they were also sick with. Um, you know, asthma, and reflux, and eczema, and all these things, and we were just all throwing all, and 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 I was, my marriage was sort of unraveling at the time, you know, I was starting to, I had really grown into somebody else, and the the, the relationship was, had not grown with me, and, and I had to make all these tough choices, and I was really ill, and I was feeling tired, mind, body, and spirit, and just didn't want to go to work, didn't feel like I was being a good mother, you know, a good yeah. doctor, it was really dark times, and
0: um, and and was this this was as a resident fellow and and attending, so it lasted for several years. Would you say absolutely, yeah? And I was in practice pretty early on and um,
1: the primary care pediatrics, and you know I was the you know I cut back on from fa- fa- full time to part time because of the children. Yeah but I was also really tired, you know, and I was feeling like I wasn't giving anybody full attention, my work, all my children, all my own. Health.
0: Bring home homework as well. Like, and and also, also, also not being able to prioritize.
1: I think now I know how to prioritize my health and put healthy boundaries down with my own children and with work and with other people. But I just didn't know how to do that when I was yeah. a younger, uh, doctor a younger mother I just I didn't know I think I was raised also with the concept of self-sacrifice being you know if you sacrifice you're a good person and a a good mother and a good daughter and a good wife you know you put everybody else first and I think these these flawed premises as I tell my children these are flawed flawed premises they they're not true um that you you always have to take care of yourself first you always have to make sure that you are nourished and feeling good before you can give. So, so I think that, you know, out of that came, you know, the, the need to, to take care of myself and that's the integrative Medicine Fellowship through Andrew wiles center was really hugely pivotal because it introduced me to this whole new world of, of tools, you know, of, for self-care where, you know, a fellowship that actually prioritized the care of the practitioner was, really mind-boggling to me. That concept had never been there. And what year was that?
0: 2012.
1: 2012. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then after that, I met all these people, you know, you, you, as you know, with, you know, these fellowship trainings are fabulous because you get introduced to this whole new community of people um, who think like you and, and, and their visionaries and pioneers who have already done so much in these fields and you have mentors to look up to and colleagues to reach out to. And so it just changed my life, the fellowship. And um, I didn't really know how I was gonna practice it because (laughs) it was just so radically different. And I think I just first applied those principles to my life and my children and felt the healing begin where I was being you know, mindful every day in my life. I was doing things that were feeding my spirit I was connecting with my children in a different way and I was taking care of myself and, right. and I think putting again I, I talk about the healthy boundaries because that was huge for me and then started to talk a little bit about it at work you know I would say you know I've tried these probiotics would, are you interested or something you know sort of stick with the things like vitamins and minerals and mindfulness practices and the community was thirsty for it. Like families were just, wow. Yes. I want to know more. I want to know more. And, and so through word of mouth, my practice just exploded. Um, yeah. And it was just wonderful to see that, that we never, ever advertised and I never, ever put it out there because I honestly used to joke that I don't even know what I'm, I'm not really clear what I'm offering because it's a, work in progress myself, you know, I feel like I'm a toddler in integrative medicine, and I'm just learning, I'm falling, getting up, falling, getting up like a toddler, and so it just, the practices grew exponentially, and then in 2019, we got to open our own office for pediatric integrative medicine, which was really exciting, yeah, and have our own team just for that, and now that's all I practice, 100%, you know, I've moved into that, and Mm -hmm. um my art hangs in my office you know it's on the walls of my waiting room and in my in all the office rooms and so that's this this full circle concept of the art that sort of brought me back from burnout and taught me self-regulation is now there in the office that you know, where I'm trying to, to practice the same principles with my families and the children love it. And we use those um, affirmations often in the therapeutic plan. Like if we're in the I am love room, we, we talk about it. If I'm, we're in the I am hope room, we talk about it. If we're in the I am light room, we talk about it and the kids just love it, you know? So I think these concepts are just, as I always talk about it, everything has become so integrated, intertwined. Um, You know, just, I don't think, I don't feel that 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 uh difference or that division between my work and my home life i think everything i'm trying very hard to stay in that space of building resiliency
0: moment to moment day to day you know yeah so it did you um utilize you don't have to answer this question but you know a lot of people are afraid to utilize therapists or psychiatrists um some people find it helpful, some people don't, um, you know, what was, what were your thoughts? around? Yeah, I, I mean, in the Indian uh, community,
1: also, you know, mental health, you know, reaching out for for help and seeing a therapist, and so on, there's huge taboos around that, right, you know, because you're perceived as crazy, right, right. Or really wrong with you, as opposed to having a physical ailment, nobody has any hesitancy in going to see a cardiologist or but, but, you know, um, I, I, I definitely went to therapy. Um, I did not uh, use any prescription medications, um, but I did use a lot of herbal medications. Um, in, in fact, I still am on a lot of um, herbal, uh, what I call adaptogens, you know, that help support my stress response. I take a lot of vitamin D, which I think is really important for my mental health. Um, I also do a lot of mindfulness practices that have been tremendously helpful. And yes, in the, in those early days, I definitely, we did group therapy, we did family therapy, especially after the divorce. I think those things have great value. Um, there's just no objectivity when you're in a situation like that, doesn't matter how much training you have, you know, in that moment, you really need the guidance of other people. So yes, absolutely. And I did what I call art therapy, my own art therapy. And I still do. I mean, I think I do uh, some sort of I am affirmation every day in some medium, whether it be pastels or just a stri- you know, uh, you know, scratch off a, you know, a little piece of paper or a pencil or, um, you know, painting, not always acrylic painting, which is what I like to do the most, but um, I think I'm always affirming myself in some way through art. So, so yeah, definitely, and I, and I think, you know, it was because my kids went to that support group at school that we I learned about ACEs and it took me on this whole trajectory of learning about resiliency and, and doing research in that area and making it a huge part of my life and yeah, yeah. for sure, my professional and personal life.
0: So when patients come to you, um... And ace is part of their evaluation I would imagine can you tell our audience about ace what what it means Sure. In case so I think that um, yeah
1: I always talk about the different kinds of stress you know I, I think there's you know there's, you know the you know the, the healthy stress um mm-hmm. you know which is right now <laughs> when you're being interviewed you know your heart rates up a little bit you're you know you're you're a little bit anxious you know because you know you're you know you're 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 um you're you're on you know and so that's a good positive stress your body needs a little bit of a challenge and then once this interview is over my body will
0: bounce back and i'll be fine (laughs) (laughs) well (laughs) i hope i can put you at ease
1: (laughs) (laughs) then we have like you know sort of the tolerable stress which is like a divorce or a death Mm -hmm. or something but then we have toxic stress and that is a lot of times in our childhood where we have um neglect or abuse or
0: um, uh, yeah,
1: abandon like um, and definitely those kinds of things where the stress just never lets up and and that affects our bodies you know on a physiological and, and structural level and even on a genetic level now we know and it can cause inflammation in the body and it can affect our stress response and so it sets the stage for chronic illness as an adult so mm-hmm. adverse childhood events and so understanding when you're taking a history that it's not just about a medical history right it's not just about you know did your father have diabetes or you know um you know what kind of symptoms are you having also understanding that you know the the environment you grew up in the environment you're currently in can impact the inflammation in your body and so trying to um we have screening questionnaires and we have ways to talk to people without re-triggering them because we don't want to re-traumatize families by bringing up things from their childhood that maybe they don't want to talk about. But we have ways of of, um, winding this into the the history, taking and into our questionnaires so that we can assess at least if this is something that's going to be relevant. Um, And then working with families to understand that it's empowering to know that if, if you've had some sort of stress in your childhood, you can overcome it as an adult. And then you can also parent your children in a way that you are resilient as a caregiver and build resiliency in your children and in resiliency as a family unit. I think intergenerational resilience is a huge part, huge part of our office motto and, and the research that we do there, trying to help a families understand that they're, the parents, the toxic stress that the parent experiences as a child impacts their ability to parent and then the toxic stress the child is experiencing currently is also impacting their ability to learn and behave and so on so just treating it on on all levels i think has become really really the most important thing i feel like i have to do in my office beyond you know you know treating an ear infection or a colic or, or the all the other things that patients come in for
0: yeah, yeah. I think um, medicine over time has become very prescriptive in in that, you know, the focus is on that diaper rash and nothing else. And um, this more holistic approach isn't being taught necessarily in most medical schools. And uh, I think with the um, advance in electronics and data and imaging, we have become even further removed from the patient and uh, that connection, which is really an important part of healing that connection and um, looking at the, the whole patient as opposed to just a symptom or a disease. Yes,
1: yeah. absolutely. And, you know, for, for that too, I, I, I like this concept I've heard about called the telecebo, Mm. you know, the placebo effect is really important because the the patient the child and the and the parent believing that they have the innate ability to heal is hugely important Huge. yeah and that they believe in the plan that's being um created and i always say that because it's their input as well as ours you know it's not it's everyone's agenda sort of yes. but then the telecebo is actually the healing presence of the the practitioner in the room how present they are and how nourished they are in the moment also impacts the ability of this, of, of the healing process. So I think I always talk about that with my families too, you know, Um, I think our office understands how important it is for our team to be healthy, to be able to practice good medicine. So, you know, we, our team, um, I have a little um, uh, Tibetan bowl, uh-huh. because every morning we start with a little sound healing and we ground at lunchtime you know we do some kind of mindfulness practice I love uh, it breathing mm-hmm. there's something to bring us back into our bodies and just be focused again and we do a team building every month we do something creative in our office as a team we stay back after work have dinner and then we you know we either paint stones or prayer flags or we you know we create something um that's positive. and And we did vision boards, we do vision boards every January, which we'll be doing again. And so I think that those kinds of things are so important um,
0: to, to uh, just important uh, principles of integrative medicine. Yeah, no, I 100% believe in all of that. Um, and I wish that more offices and practices, you know, had similar philosophies. I think that things are changing and, and there is going to be an evolution in medicine where yes. there's a greater shift. I think patients need that and demand it as well. Because um, I've certainly been on the patient side as well as you know being a physician and being on the physician side. Um, and I know how I watched things evolve over the past 20 something years um and i just hope that you know we can find that place where we're healing the clinician as well as the patient and that we are are dealing with each other in a more positive way yeah it's my goal (laughs) so um yeah do you um have a definition for creativity because i always ask everyone you know what's yeah. your definition of creativity
1: for me it's when i'm in the flow so there's a certain alignment that just happens um and so then that creative that flow just happens and whether it's it, it's not always related to art it could be even if i'm cooking something you know creating yeah. something in the kitchen creating art. something in my garden you know creating I mean, even like it was funny a couple of days ago, I was folding towels (laughs) and, you know, I'd just taken them out of the dryer. And they were just that warm, soft, you know, and it was a cold evening. And I just thought, wow, this is this is the flow, you know, folding them perfectly and then putting them away and just this the joy of that creative process, you know, going from this pile of towels to this perfectly <laughs> folded, you know, pile of yeah. you know, and then putting them away and just feeling the softness and the sort of the gratitude for it. So to me, create creativity is flow.
0: Yeah, that's how I define Are it. Are you? Are you familiar with um, the book called flow? I'm not actually. Okay. Fine. There's a book called flow by Michal Csikszentmihalyi. He's a uh, psychologist who um, recently passed away, but um, uh, he writes about the state of flow, and the more uh, states of flow that we can create in ourselves, the greater our sense of happiness and well being. Um, I can also tell that you're someone who meditates and who's, who's very mindful because it's those simple things like the warmth of the towel, the appreciation and the gratitude for that simplicity, that beauty that we can find. If we can find more of that in our daily life, then we can also find greater happiness. Um, yeah. Yeah, just trying to really
1: genuinely see the the, the the kind of the glory, I say, in the small moments. Um, yes. Absolutely. Yeah, totally. And I just, I try to do that. I, I think um I'm not huge, like I'm not really good at sitting down and meditating. I'm a restless person I have a restless mind and so yeah what works a lot for me is move moving meditations work a lot better for me so I like I do have a, I actually like labyrinths I have a labyrinth built in my backyard and nice. so walking meditations I like and then tai chi and yoga definitely for sure yeah. um, and then music really anything moving to music yeah I, I like those a lot. Yeah, for sure. And, and then I think art, again, just for me, I find that very meditative. Just, yes. Yeah, completely being able to separate from everything that's going on around me, you know, just kind of descend into the, yes, that color spread on the paper. Yeah,
0: I think um, I see art, especially drawing as a, as a form of meditation. Um, and drawing is, you know, something that I love and do often. I also paint, but it, but it is reaching, achieving that state of flow. That's actually the meditative process, the meditative part of it, that is extremely healing. So, um, I don't think you have to sit down and meditate and close your eyes in in the formal way to achieve the benefits of meditation you
1: absolutely can- i mean i i think when i talk about it in my office you know i think you know meditation can be pretty intimidating <laughs> to a lot of people you know that's just the concept yeah. of it. and i i totally understand that because i i do find it personally a little bit hard to just sit quietly and and yeah. try and quiet my mind i find it much easier to do that through a through a medium of some sort yeah
0: right i think that um there's a a misunderstanding that in meditation one has to um quiet the mind or force force it or or shape it in some way but we can't you know our brains are meant to have lots of thoughts that come into our heads and and so the more you try to quiet the mind the harder it is actually uh for yourself and and so through meditation, there has to be some acceptance of these, of your active mind, and, and finding a way in which to um, acknowledge that thought, and then let it go, acknowledge the thought and let it go, and just be quiet. And, and it, it, you know, after a while, it becomes easier.
1: (laughs) Yeah, just having being able to view those thoughts without judgment.
0: (laughs) without judgment and just allowing it to be Absolutely. It is, yeah, yeah. that's what it is um so anything else you'd like to add i know i haven't seen um i see that you've got art in the walls there oh, I, that, I did
1: yeah. Those are my, no, yeah, my, ba- my babies, as I call them. Yeah.
0: yeah, you know, one of the things that I wanted to just mention is the beautiful thing about art is that it's it's a way of um, externalizing feelings. That's one th- aspect. But then the other aspect is that over time, you can see a transformation you know, and growth. And so it, it's a way of documenting transformation and growth as well.
1: Absolutely, yeah. It's such a beautiful visual right, representation of that. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that, I, you know, I always t- uh, like to let, let people know about a new wellness, which is my website, you know, it's anufrench.com. And, it, you know, there's just a lot of resources on there for people. I have a whole, what I call an integrative medicine cabinet, so it's if you click on that, it's filled with resources from all the people that I have, you know, all my teachers and mentors, and it's got a lot of 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 resources to to build creativity with your children, whether it be in the kitchen or whether it be in the you know, artistically or musically. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have a children's book called I Am You, You Are Me, it's for children under the age of six, which is again filled with affirmations. And I just wanted to also give a shout out to the advocacy that I do through Vida, which is a company that connects artists and artisans, and so I design a lot of um, clothes and house wear and jewelry and all kinds of basically all kinds of things based on the art, but all the proceeds from the sales of those go to Vida. And so it goes towards education, global literacy programs, and also social justice programs around the world, women's rights, Black Lives Matter, and um, and then uh, raising the voices of artists around the world. So it's a beautiful company and all of that's on the website. If you're interested in learning more about um, that, Vida, and then also Integrative Medicine for the Underserved is another uh, uh, advocacy that I'm part of, I'm on the, on the policy committee and so trying to get integrated medicine to everybody so it's accessible and affordable. And then the last thing that I'm part of was, is Integrate, which is a trauma-informed network. So it's a grassroots organization nationally. Now we've taken it nationally, and we do a lot of workshops um, um, on, on our platform that are trauma-informed. You know, we have one coming up in the first week of January uh, for about reparenting. The inner child, you know, and then we have one coming up about nutrition like, how do you nourish yourself in a trauma informed way? So, um, all of that is on the website. So, okay. people are interested in in going there. It's just anu french, my name. So can you spell that for um, yeah, sure. So it's a n u french, f r e n c h.com, anu french.com, and okay. uh, you can also search me a uh, new wellness. Um, Um, you know, on Instagram or Facebook, I'm, 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 I have a presence on those, both of those platforms and just a whole, the whole reason to be out there is to share resources um, that you can use for yourselves personally, and also for your children and as family units. So um, Yeah. yeah, please come, come find me and come join our community, as we say, a new wellness community. So
0: Well, I think it's wonderful the work that you're doing and especially um, getting integrative medicine to communities that, um, you know, would have a difficult time finding uh, resources like this. This is a wonderful way of um, getting, spreading the word and getting, you know, such- Yeah,
1: that's why it was exciting when we opened our office in 2019, it's under the umbrella of Cardinal Glennon Children's Hospital. And so again, you know, we take all insurances and, you know, we, care is affordable and accessible, which is really the mission of, uh, of the SSM Cardinal Glennon Children's Hospital. So it's wonderful that they've supported this completely new specialty, you know, Um, but, you know, the patients love it. And we're trying really hard to focus on things like biofeedback and nutrition and mindfulness and, you know, sleep medicine and just sort of what I call the basic pillars of integrative medicine you know and then just it's amazing how much families want guidance on use of herbs and supplements and vitamins and they're not necessarily all safe you know they have to be used with caution so it's nice to have you know evidence-based training in these areas so that when a family comes in with a big bag of supplements and vitamins you can actually look at them and say oh well these you shouldn't be using and these maybe you can and things like that so I think it's been it's been a fun, it's been a fun journey for me personally, but also professionally.
0: Yeah. Are there certain um, supplements or um, herbs that you can, you know, discourage right away? Like I always caution patients about um, protein shakes and protein drinks because of heavy metals, sometimes depending on where they're manufactured and so on, they can actually be toxic and cause mental mental health uh, problems which I you know uh, obviously see. Are, is there anything that stands out to you that you'd like to caution um, people about?
1: I think that um, you know when I tell families it's like when you're buying a supplement look for the consumer lab stamp on it you know the consumer lab if the consumer lab stamp is on there or GMP good manufacturing practice GMP stamp is on something mm-hmm. that's okay usually that has been, has gone through some, a process of screening, definitely screening out things that can be toxic and also making sure that what's in it is actually in it. Um, Because, you know, there isn't really broad oversight of these supplements and things like that. So that's what I usually advise families to just start there. Um, And then a lot of times it it is very individual. I mean, if they, if they bring in supplements, we can kind of look at them and make sure that the things are safe and, um, I think if you're sticking with things like vitamin D and vitamin C, you know, I think right now I always tell everyone to get, make sure they're getting enough vitamin D. You know, I think those kinds of things are safe, but herbs and supplements and yeah, and shakes, I think protein shakes, we have to be very careful in pediatrics. A lot of young boys yeah. <laughs> yes. to build their muscles. And so we have a few that we recommend, but yeah, we are, I always have families just bring them in, bring everything in, bring a whole bag in and let's look at them and and send me photos, you know, of them so we can actually look at ingredients. So, yes. Wonderful,
0: wonderful. Well, this has been a great uh, conversation and uh, Dr. French, I appreciate all of your knowledge and uh, the fact that you're doing such wonderful work in so many areas and incorporating the arts. I just think it's a beautiful combination. So thank you so much for speaking with me today.
1: Thank you so much for having me on. And it's just really great to connect again, to see you again, you know, <laughs> the fellowship training. And I, I'm just grateful that there are, are uh, people like you in the, in the world of mental health also, who are understanding the connection between, you know, the mind, body and the spirit, because we need more people like that too <laughs> out there, right? Yeah, who are just, you know, who uh, understand that they aren't separate entities and that they do, that everything is connected. And also that you're giving this a platform for art, you know, yes. to, to, thank you so much for doing what you're doing too. And uh, I always say thank you for being a warrior in the healing spaces. <laughs> you
0: know, being a warrior in our healing spaces. Yes, um, yes, it, it is a journey and it is, it's an important one. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. <laughs>